Welcome to the Arts Union Science Journal. Please enter your password. Union Science Journal. Welcome back to the journal that intends to analyze movies the way others analyze science. Today we humbly present the next episode of Volume 5, our grant renewal volume. And this episode is titled, Pouting Greek Heroes Possess an Unusually High Coefficient of Static Friction in Troy, colon, a Rope of Sand. My name is Tyler D.R. Vance. As always, I am your corresponding author. And joining us this week is Emily L. Vance, my sister. How you doing? Hi. You ready? You you ready to go back? (laughs) Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've, we've called you back. It's like, um, we looked through the first author's roster and, and decided that it would, you were best, uh, best to tackle this um, for a couple of different reasons, because we are now deep, deep, deep into our grant renewal volume. Uh, which is a name that's derived from the portion of the year where academic labs submit a boatload of applications and proposals to funding agencies in the interest of getting enough money to keep doing research. Um, And while these proposals are based in fact, they are often made to be a little bit more, shall we say, glossy than the reality, incorporating a series of strategies to make the science sell well to non-scientists. So therefore, this volume will be exploring some of these strategies within our episode. And today we will be using three such strategies to crank up the reviewers and make our scientific exploration of media more, for lack of a better term, sexy, which is always a gross term to use, but people use it all the time. So hell, we're going to do it. Um, First strategy, you got to link your work to a rich history of previously successful endeavors. And it'd be hard to imagine a more previously successful endeavor than Homer's The Iliad, which has been around since like 3200 BC. Um, and is probably one of the oldest existing narratives in the Western world. Um, we are also going to showcase our highly qualified personnel, hence why we have reclaimed is like one of the like our favorite first authors. Um, that's you. That's you. I'm really liking this this format. I'm now understanding this whole series way more. <laughs> You're explaining it. I like it. Well, this is good. This is. Like, I'm hoping that the like the uh, the audience at home is having a similar moment of epiphany. Yes. Wow, this is really smart. <laughs> and the the last of the strategies that we're going to be looking at is to make good on your promises because way back near the end of the summer of 2021, I sent put out a small seven minute episode claiming that we were going to do Troy at some point. Because the first author had said they wanted to do it, and we were going to do it as a special issue episode, and things just got out of hand. So like we, we were both postdocs, we couldn't make it work. So I put in a, a thing there and basically said, we'll come back to this. And then at one a certain point, a couple of months later, that same first author came back and said, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm like, okay, well, looking for, like, out, we need to make good on this promise. And there's only one person out there that I feel on a moment's notice can be called forth to discuss Troy for an extended period of time. She has nothing, she has nothing going on. 
<laughs> it's more that I know that you are. It's like he's like you are qualified to discuss Troy at length because I was like much like myself, we have both watched this movie on like a ridiculous yes. number of times, considering its runtime. <laughs> I know. Yes, this is true. I've also been there. Right. I forgot about that. I'm super qualified because I, I saw a field. <laughs> and, they, and they told me that beneath this field, <laughs> there was stuff. <laughs> yeah, that things happened here. And I was like, ah, nice. And this is where Eric Bana died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is where Brad Pitt dragged his body. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, Horrible. well, this is... This is this is going to be great. I can tell already. We're having a great time, as Sean Fiffin would say. <laughs> um, but before we get started, uh, a friendly reminder that you can always email your corresponding author, aka me, at artsunionscience at gmail.com, all one word with no caps. You can also find this podcast on Facebook, but not Twitter, because I'm afraid that I'll accidentally launch a thousand ships full of haters if I ever coveted that particular form of social media. Um, I, I don't want to do it. You can't make me. You can't make me, world. And um, if we get enough messages from people, at some point we're going to do a mailbag episode, as like a, also known as a um, it's like rebuttal letter, is like which is often a process that happens during like uh, actually trying to get scientific publications published. So, if you're out there and you hate what we're saying or love what we're saying, consider sending us a line. It'll be cool. People know us. Anyway. <laughs> So, with that, we can get into the episode proper. Um, for those of you who are viewing our episode for the first time, our analysis follows traditional sections present in a scientific paper. And so that means we're going to be starting with the introduction. Section 1. Introduction. The Introduction. Placing the film into context, the introduction section is a brief history of the film, both objective and subjective. And just to, you know, shake things up a bit, we also throw in a little bit of a plot summary. Um, because here at the Arts Union Science Journal, we care not for the wants and whims of those who have not watched our movies yet. Troy's been out since 2004. The story itself has been known since all the way back in the days where freaking Greek heroes were still roaming the earth. So, you know, if you don't want spoilers, uh, may, uh, too bad. You should have you taken the time. Figured it out already. Anyway, we're going into it. And I apologize that much like the movie's length, um, this uh, plot summary is going to be long and probably the vast majority of it could have been removed and not really been missed. <laughs> so <laughs> here we go. Take a look at your life. Like, really look. Look at the things you've done, the people you know, the battles you've fought, the unending pettiness that haunts your every action. Now, imagine if 5,000 years later, people were still talking about all that stuff. Still talking about your life, still talking about your battles, still talking about that time you got really snippy with Betty in accounting. Well, so was the life and legacy of the heroes that fought in the Battle of Troy in 3200 BC. Their petty squabbles immortalized in the annals of history and legend to be retold over and over again in as many different formats as the human experience can produce. Of course, I was not aware of the sheer weight of all that legacy when I first watched the most recent big-budget retelling of the tale, aptly named Troy. Indeed, I was more familiar with the actors and their myriad of other roles than the deeds of Achilles, Odysseus, Agamemnon, and Hector, who apparently tames horses. So, my recounting of the tale sounded a little closer to this. Legolas steals Nicolas Cage's girlfriend from the National Treasure movies, which really makes William Stryker from X-Men 2 mad. 
So he launches a thousand ships to go and attack the city of Troy, which now houses Legolas, Nicolas Cage's main squeeze, and a pre-MCU Bruce Banner. With the help of Boromir, Stryker gets Tyler Durden to join his crew, though Tyler really hates old Will. In fact, the hatred co- almost cost them the war, as Mr. Durden refuses to fight for a good chunk of time due to both some ethereal combination of love and he took my toy. It isn't until the younger brother from John Singleton film Four Brothers gets killed again that Tyler goes back into battle, killing Bruce Banner and bringing the war closer to a decisive victory. Then that whole Trojan horse thing happens, allowing Boromir and Tyler to sneak into Troy and set it ablaze. Legless ends up shooting Tyler Durden in the ankle, which, along with a few more arrows, kills him. In the end, Troy has fallen, all the main characters save for the two in Lord of the Rings die, as they die, and Josh Groban sings because it was the early 2000s, so of course he did. Uh, clear as mud? Good! Um, Troy opened in 2004 to the tune of almost $500 million worldwide, giving its, op- uh, giving its operating budget of around $175 million. That's uh, pretty damn good. On the critical side, things are a little less cheery. We have around 54% on the review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, with an end of around 229 critics. Um, and if that just isn't an arrow to the heel, I don't know what is. Uh, so we're here to figure out if the critics are right in the way that this isn't an especially good movie from 2004, or if perhaps like a uh, more modern lens will shed some kind of interesting perspectives on it. Um, but before we can really get into that, we have to talk a little bit about our subjective history so you can know our biases. Um, and boy, do we have some biases because we actually had the same subjective history. And I want to ask you, can you remember actually the first time that we watched this movie? No. <laughs> Was it with the Stewarts? Like maybe our our good friends the Stewarts. Yeah. I I associate this movie so much with like our family friends a, a family that is a family friend. <laughs> 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 but I can't actually remember the first time we saw it. No, it 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 definitely became like a movie channel movie that we just kind of rewatched endlessly yes. whenever it was on the movie channel, and then one of us got it as a DVD for some reason, and then it just kind of got flung into the mix, and we watched it over and over yes. and over again, despite its two hour and forty minute runtime. I can still identify movies when I watch them, and I'll tell like my partner Aiden, like this is a movie channel movie, and he like doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm like Chicago. Chicago. This one for sure because it was just always on. It's it was always it on every time, and it's like and it was like one of those things. I remember that we just the great thing about the movie channel is that you'd like you see the same movie over and over again, but you'd pop in at different times, and yeah. so you never. So when you see it, like oh, Chicago's on, and you hit it, and you're like, I wonder what part we're at. Queen Latifah singing. This is an amazing part. <laughs> Then you turn on, you're like, ugh, razzle dazzle. Razzle oh, dazzle. No. <laughs> Actually, I love razzle dazzle. Yeah, I was, like, I was gonna say, I don't, I don't know what song I would pick because they're all really damn good in that in that oh, movie. Probably the one. I don't know when she's on the piano. I'm a little done with that. One. <laughs> the the um the her but her husband, the stupid uh, crummy honey of mine. Of mine. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, you're the worst, Roxy. Get off that piano. <laughs> Get off that piano. You don't deserve the piano. <laughs> no, as like, I when I was younger, I remember John C. Riley's song Mr. Cellophane. I didn't like, uh, but now that I'm older and like generally less sure of my place in the world, I'm just kind of like, yes. you can walk right through. <laughs> <laughs> I never know I'm there. <laughs> and that was when people were like, "Yo, is John C. Riley an an actor?" Yes, exactly. Act. I thought he, he was indeed? just Will Ferrell's like doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah, and and to put, bring this this uh, tangent to a close, I remember that there was an episode, like a a bit in the Oscars one time where Will Ferrell and Jack Black yeah. were singing a song about how there's no love for comedians at the Oscars, and then John C. Riley shows up to say about how you have to diversify <laughs> and do like combination of things like Chicago, A Perfect Storm, and Talladega Nights, <laughs> <laughs> which Will Ferrell then also did very like I'd say very successfully. <laughs> With a couple of his movies, Stranger Than Fiction for sure. It's like, um, yeah, yeah. I haven't really watched the new Paul Rudd thing he did. That he did, seems he, different. He did a new Paul Rudd thing. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, he did, but I don't really know much about it. <laughs> well, forget I mentioned. <laughs> anyway, there's like the history of this movie for us is definitely long and storied to just like the actual history of the Iliad itself. Um. Ever since our childhood and like that kind of like the glut of viewings that we had early on is like, how frequently would you say that you rewatched Troy since then? That's a good question. Like, because it's so lengthy, not a lot, but like probably like once every few months, I'll be like, ah, I just need like something on in the background while I'm doing other things that like, I know what happens, but it also will still create some sort of emotional reaction so it's not yep. like a waste <laughs> so yeah like probably once every few months i'll give it a gander but i haven't in a long time this was like the first time i watched it i think in the past like year yeah i'm pretty sure that before before this most recent viewing and the viewing that i did for it back in the summer of 2021 i think the last time i had seen it would have been when i was an undergrad so that would have been before long, 2013 long time ago <laughs> Back in the day. As old as the Iliad itself. <laughs> Back before Netflix, when it was just a DVD rental, when there was still a blockbuster in Kingston. Ah, yes. When my knees just made one solid crack when I bent them instead of the weird series Crunch. of pops and crunches <laughs> that sounds like someone's taken a bunch of sticky toffee and crushed it under their feet. <laughs> ah, yes. Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, those days. It's been around that long. It's like, it's so when a lot has happened to my like movie watching it's like style since then. I like I've gotten, for lack of a better term, pretentious since that time. No. Yeah, just a, like you know, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> and so with that, I was I, I was interested to see how I would respond to this movie. Now going back to it many many moons later, and uh, we're we're gonna get into it. But first, we gotta go into the materials and methods. And then this would be the part where the little musical cues thing. I'm just going to take that. That's going to be the new one. Oh, no. I'm going to use that all the time. <laughs> oh, no. Section 2. Materials and Methods. Materials and Methods. Comprehensive guide to the equipment and methodology we use to watch the movie. In theory, the information given should be detailed enough to allow others to reproduce the results of our viewing experience. Um, so would you like to go first or should I? I would love for you to go first. <laughs> well, I would also love to go first. All right. So 
this is how my materials and methods went for this most recent rewatching, but we have to go back a little ways. So in the summer of 2021, you must diligently watch Troy as part of an expected episode to be recorded later that month. You take minimal notes, which include mostly a series of quotes, because, hey, it's just a short special edition episode, not a main episode, so no reason to get too intense. You then proceed to not record that episode for half a year and instead rebrand it with a new first author as a completely full episode, which means that you have to rewatch Troy for a second time in six months because of your shitty note-taking abilities. Um, But then you still end up taking detailed notes that are mostly just quotes. Uh, To do so, in terms of actually watching, make sure to fire up the old Netflix Watch it on your 42-inch LG TV with subtitles on and your significant other half-paying attention in the background as they play League of Legends. Um, revel in the moments when your significant other can hear the quotes you said a million and a half times, but in their original <laughs> context, and take note of like, hey, you say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that was mine. How about yours? Okay, so for for me, you'd have to have uh, your brother text you well 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 in advance to watch this movie for a podcast episode and then we'll be like yes absolutely let's do that and then you will put that off until the night before (laughs) not even 12 hours before the episode is to be recorded because you know that this movie is long (laughs) you also know that you really want to keep watching house on prime instead but you decide that as you crochet a friend a blanket, you're going to watch this movie and then you're going to make some notes again, also of quotes that I've said <laughs> countless times <laughs> that nobody understands. <laughs> <laughs> and then you will watch it and you will probably like lose some focus at around hour two and do some dishes. <laughs> <laughs> And then you'll come back and be like, oh, oh no. And then you'll have to go back and rewatch that section. And yeah, that was my rewatching <laughs> yesterday. <clears throat> perfect. Perfect. Love it. Um, <laughs> is like, I, I do need to ask, though, because I, I can't remember. I, I'm, I, is like, our, our, our battle lines have gotten a little blurry in the ongoing uh, like Arts Union Science podcast conflict between the Toshiba and the LG users. I can't remember what kind of TV you guys have. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a Roku Sharp. I'm just reading the words that are on it. it oh, says it's a Sharp. Sharp. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. So you were the the Sharp weirdos. Okay. That's that's good to know. The the peripheries, the Belgium that just sitting there yeah. trying not to get involved. Okay. I don't know. A- Aiden bought it, and I was like, cool. <laughs> it looks bigger. <laughs> than the one that I currently have in our basement because I haven't figured out what else to do with it. <laughs> so. okay. I need to take a dedicated list of these things because if I've learned anything from was like from history, it's that it's it's best to really split everyone into a series of tribes and then a hundred percent focus on those things and nothing else. So that's that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. Let's do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've we've gone around the bush a few times we've tried to figure is our way to like to push it off but we can't any further there's nothing left to do but to get into our actual results and discussion section section three 
Results and discussion. Results. It's the meat and potatoes of any scientific publication. It's the results. It's like uh, that you've newly acquired. It's like, and you are going to be showcasing them to the world as well as the frameworks that you use to analyze them. Meanwhile, there's also the discussion section, which connects it's like your work that you've done into the analysis of other works, asking key questions about the place of your work in the wider canon and hopefully answering them. In this podcast, we actually merge our results and discussion section together, which, you know, some respective journals do as well. I'm pretty sure PNAS does it. Don't get your don't get your panties in a bunch. It's OK. We all we all do it. Um, so we're going to be mixing these two things together. It's like talking about the movie, but also linking it to things outside of just Troy itself. And we're going to be using, as always, a homebrewed analysis model. And this time we're using the Lorenz's detractor model, which is a good model if you're just in the mood to chat. It was named after Edward Norton Lorenz, a meteorologist and mathematician heralded as the father of chaos theory and its most popular offspring, the butterfly effect. The Lorenz's detractor model for film analysis begins with a simple question. What did you think of the movie? From there, a combination of unknown variables, some external, some internal takeover, forging a freeform discussion with twists and turns beyond prediction. The starting question may be the same every time, but there's no telling where the conversation will be swept off to. And so in keeping with our homebrewed analysis model, we have to begin by asking our first author the very important question. Emily, what did you think of the movie? I thought many things, and I'm going to tell you about them. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Overall, I still very much enjoy this movie. I was worried with like rewatching it that I feel like I've also become more critical of movies just because like, I don't know. They just get better so then the lens in which we are watching them and like the standards we have improve or change so i was like oh no what if i don't like troy anymore (laughs) (laughs) that would make me really sad but i still enjoy it for what it is i think i still enjoy it in those moments where it's like i don't really want to watch a documentary and i don't want to watch like a real biopic of like we know these things happen to this person i want nice in the middle of like this could have happened probably didn't who knows because the book didn't tell us because the book is bad (laughs) so so i still enjoyed watching it it was still like a nice uh like adventure kind of thing um which i feel like we don't really have a lot of anymore um so overall i still enjoyed it but it definitely like having a more critical eye on it i was like oh the pacing is a little weird in some spots <laughs> aka the horse oh. is there and gone <laughs> immediately <laughs> possibly the most like, famous part of the story <laughs> i know and i and i remember watching it like one of the first times and forgetting like oh yeah that's what this whole story like is usually summed up to be is mm-hmm. like oh the trojan horse so it's like to one of its credits it's like oh it managed to like span out like one moment in time that people think of and expand it into a whole movie and like makes you care about other things within this story so that you completely forget about like this one detail and you're like oh that's kind of cool because then you get to like almost like rediscover it as you're watching it but then on the other hand it's like I feel like they could have dedicated a little more to like I want to see them figure out how they're all gonna fit (laughs) (laughs) i want to see them all crammed in there being like oh man this was a bad idea (laughs) 
but then it's a good idea. I do like that they're even trying to be a little coy with it. They're kind of like, oh, what are they doing? What are they building? I know. What's going to happen? And we're like, we, we know. We, we know what they're building. We, 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 we get this. It was <laughs> the weird thing about the Trojan horse is actually it isn't in the Iliad. Like the, the Iliad oh, yeah. itself does like ends before the end of the war. It actually starts after the beginning. So it's like some, it's like, it's this weird in between like portion. So like the thing that we're actually like, it would make good sense how they decide to do it, that the story should expand beyond the Iliad into the beginning of the Odyssey yeah. But then also beforehand as well to kind of give us an idea of what the heck is going on. Yeah, I remember just like being like almost impressed of like, as I'm watching it, even when they are like, when, what's his name? Sean, Sean Bean. <laughs> like starts having the idea. I was like, ooh, I wonder what he's thinking. Then I'm like, oh, I know already. <laughs> but like, because I'd already been taking, been taken on such a journey. I was like, oh, yeah cool nice good job Bet. well done best character of the whole movie <laughs> way to be i do love sean bean his performance in this is great yeah i gotta say like i was similarly coming into troy like with this like intense worry of being i think it's like i can't imagine that i'm going to like this like so many of the movies that we watched over and over again when we were younger are just like unwatchable to me now like oh, i don't know poseidon Poseidon is Poseidon same director I know <laughs> when I read that I was like that's wild that's wild like I Spy Master of Disguise like the the um Matthew Our Broderick Godzilla DVDs we ever got exactly Big Fat Liar <laughs> they're just like we watched this movie so many times and then like there's a few times where I've like tried to dip my toe back into them waters and I'm like oh no that's, that's very cold it's <laughs> not not oh. good <laughs> oh, oh not good is it, I must say that like with Troy, I basically oscillated back and forth between being like, yeah, this isn't quite as good as I remember, but whatever, I'm still entertained, to this is the best movie I think anyone's ever made. I, <laughs> I think about like also like the scale of it for that time was like huge. Oh yeah. Of like watching some of like the special features back like first of all, that's one thing I miss about DVDs is special features. I don't know how to access them anymore. And that makes me really upset because <laughs> I, I watched the Troy special features a lot. And they were like talking about how they would do the CG for like the big fight scenes. And they'd have like little tiny, tiny little soldiers way in the back, but still have like specific like choreography for them. I'm like, that's overkill. But also it like adds to like the full scale of it. Yeah. And now we can get that amount of scale just in like our TV shows because I kept thinking of like, oh, this looks like Game of Thrones <laughs> in, <Yeah>. some, <laughs> in some areas. And I was like, yeah, like for the time it was like such like a huge undertaking. And now I think it's kind of something we take for granted in a lot of our like big blockbuster uh, movies. Yeah, well, it's like this, this is a, one of those weird movies that it's like, it's a central data point, because like, I feel like Lord of the Rings was the first movie in this era to really like mm -hmm. showcase that people had an appetite for this kind of huge, larger than life, massive army battles. And similarly, like Gladiator, which came out before this was kind of the, um, you know, like studios always have this thing where like, they're kind of sitting there going like, no one likes swords and sandals movies anymore. Like no one likes the Greek and Roman stuff like whether that's just not like, and then Gladiator comes up. They're like, Oh, people apparently love swords and sandals movies. I'm like, no, that was just a good movie. 
Yeah, and then they kept going on, and it's like, oh, now we're gonna make Clash of the Titans. Exactly. <laughs> now we're gonna make all these. Like we're gonna make. There was another one that was around that time where it's like we didn't need that. I think there was a, there was a movie on Alexander the Great starring Colin yeah. Farrell that that was the movie that effectively killed it. Like Troy was a middle data point where we're kind of like, yeah, like you know, this is working. People are liking this, and then Alexander the Great comes over, like, oh, oh, that wasn't <laughs> oh, good at all. I don't like cool. that. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I watched, um, also yesterday, I watched Brian Cox's, um, he did one of those, like, timeline of my career Mm, things, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how, like, with Brad Pitt entering the movie, he hadn't done any of those kinds of movies before, and he mentioned, he's like, meanwhile, like, a lot of us, like, classical actors were used to not wearing pants, so we were used to that (laughs) kind of setting, and I was like, what? I was like, oh, yeah, because... And then I like had a thought. I was like, when did pants become like the image of masculinity? Because it's like you have all these images of, yeah, like ancient Greeks and all these things when they have like robes and like these skirts on for their like armor. I was like, when did pants enter the scene? They're so much less comfortable. <laughs> They're I don't so know. much worse. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know really when that was. It must have been like medieval times because by that era, like the the Christian kings and stuff like that, they all all their armor wore like had pants. Um they had pantaloons. Pantaloons and they had boots like now fighting in sandals, I feel is just stupid. Like, oh <laughs> horrible. Yeah, just not not a great idea. But I, I do love that you brought up Brian Cox so off as they off the bat because I think before we really get into discussing this movie and maybe like the the best things about it we need to kind of like exercise some ongoing demons that the two of us have of like the things that live (laughs) rent free in our head that just play over and over again and like we just can't get rid of them so let's just get those things out of the way right off the bat these Every bad line read that we can't stop thinking about, every wonderful moment that's like a scene that is a nothing scene that for some reason I'll just occasionally, like while I'm pipetting away in the lab, be sitting here going, sitting like, if you want to take Helen back to Sparta, so be it. But I go with her to Sparta, they'll kill you, then I'll die fighting. And <laughs> it's going through the whole damn thing in my head. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's obviously the the key one that I think we both have, which is the Alkav Agamemnon in the stone, <laughs> where just out of nowhere his like Scottishness comes out. Kav, <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's the best one. That, that is one, a really good one. That was my, I wrote that one down. <laughs> oh yeah, as as one should. Um, I say everything that Priam does in this, the King of Troy, um, played by Peter O'Toole, who's like a famous actor, like for, he was the star of Lawrence of Arabia, like really beloved. This is like the only thing I've seen him in. And he's so weird throughout the vast majority of this movie. (laughs) The way he says gods and gossips. I think he like, there's something with his S's. I don't know. I, I have a very big fascination with like, (laughs) <laughs> mouth movement of like i used to watch those videos of like expert so-and-so like goes through like 20 different accents from movies and stuff and he would always like break down like oh you can hear this person has a lisp with like this kind of letter and i was like what so yeah when i was watching i was like ah peter o'toole has an s thing he turns him into <laughs> it's kind of like sean connery sort of thing i wonder yeah. if there's a, a mix there yeah, but that was another one. Uh, do not mock the god. Oh god, do not mock the god. 
bitch. And then is it the way that he holds his hand out for Briseis to come on the car- the chariot with him, like, come my girl. And he's just like reaching out really weirdly, like almost like a young child reaching out for a toy. Like, Same with there was also, I took note of um, some of his inflections. Like he emphasizes parts of sentences that, like it could completely change like i don't know the feel of the sentence like when um i think it's when paris is about to fight uh mad i don't remember his name i think the, the character's Menelaus. name is menelaus the actor's <laughs> name is brendan gleason i think <laughs> and, um helen is standing there and then priyam is like hello sit with me (laughs) his emphasis on me like is so unnerving (laughs) rather than like sit with me exactly he's like it feels like he's like getting ready to murder her like clandestinely like helen i I know sit with me (laughs) it also was like there wasn't an alternative she was standing so it's not like she sat with someone else and then he was like sit with me he could have just said like sit with me (laughs) for whatever reason made it seem like very i don't know i don't know if it's maybe because like he's like a, is he a king emperor he is he's the king. king yeah king of troy yeah yeah so like maybe it's i don't know to make him seem more kingly that he talks so weird <laughs> well it's like i think he's doing like a good job in the way that like this oh, character yeah. feels very distinct like i i like the from the moment he's on screen and the way that he starts like interacting with people are like Oh yeah, like these are choices. You are making definitive choices and you did oh, yeah. build an interesting character. It's just the vast majority of those choices are weird as hell. And I spend half the time going, does that work? Like, I guess. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but he also like, one of the criticisms that I was reading the other day of Troy was that it was like a very like emotionally flat. Mm. And the like one scene I can point to that like feels like the least emotionally flat is when he's talking to Achilles in his like hut. And it's like pretty much saying like I don't fear death anymore because he <laughs> ruined my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely that. Like that whole sequence, his um, is like it's just like it's really well done in terms of like the acting at play. Some of the like the actual dialogue there, like the they do the actors do a really good job of like lining the the uh, like the dialogue up, but it just seems like a lot of the times a person came up with a really good sentence. Yes. And then they came up with another really good sentence and they just kind yep. of put them together and they're like, there we go. <laughs> with like no put real together connection. And what have you got? <laughs> Bippity boppity, give him back to me. <laughs> I know there are parts of like the early in that scene then there are parts where I'm like, he's freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> Even Brad Pitt kind of looked a little freaked out at one point. It's just like, what is your problem <laughs> having like some person in like a dirty cloak come in and just start kissing your hands is definitely a little scary yep <laughs> he's just like, trying to get away from him like, away. yeah he's like, get away. <laughs> plus like the lighting of that it makes him look like he has no pupils so he, like i remember oh. when i was watching that when i was younger just because his eyes are so blue and like yeah. the lighting of it his eyes look freaking wild so i like thought he was i remember when i was watching it when i was younger i was like is he like bewitched (laughs) possessed or something like why do his eyes look like that but i think it's just his eyes are like so light blue that he looked very strange 
Oh God. The, the last, the last thing that I want to exercise before we get out is actually, is like this thing that I, I've come up with two of my like favorite nothing scenes in this movie are both what I call like biting the tongue moments. There's when Hector and Paris are arguing on the boat about whether they should take Helen back to Sparta. Oh. And there's a part where Paris, after Hector's just had this huge thing about like, where's your love for your country, all this sort of stuff. Paris like, can I speak? And Eric Bana does this great moment of like, he's about to just like rip his head off and then just yes. like, nope. And like bites it back down. And I'm like, that is, I don't know if Eric Bana is always doing a good job in this movie. There's the, there's yeah. the line read and the code is simple. I'm like, nope, that's not great. But oh, then God. there's moments like that, <laughs> that are just like, I'm like, oh yeah, you, you nailed that. <laughs> that Yeah. I wrote a note for that scene that that, that like scene I think was well acted on Eric Bana's part in terms of like he's just so mad like I think like angry acting can be hard if like I don't know he seems like a person that's like naturally chill based off of like interviews I've seen he just seems like pretty low-key so then like when you see like the total opposite of him being like so mad he's about to like throw his brother off of this boat like it's so good I also noticed that um well, first of all, I love his, like, whole thing of, like, um, what was it? It was, like, a pair. Oh, fuck, what was it? Oh, it was, like, him saying, like, oh, I won't let you start a war for her. And it was, like, well, yes, you, you did. You will and you have. <laughs> and yeah. As it goes through. It's, like, it is a little weird that in that moment he's, like, well, fuck. I yeah. guess. I guess we'll just go with it. <laughs> I guess this is what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah. But I noticed cuz Eric Bana is also in the f- is it the first like Star Trek reboot movie, the Chris yeah. Pine one? Yeah. He's Nero the- and I never put like him in that role ever until rewatching this Troy scene when he says like the you already have at the end. I was like, that sounds like Nero. Holy shit. <laughs> You're a good actor. <laughs> hey, look at him go. But he is he is quite good in that Star Trek. Even though the villain is given very little to do, like he's just like eating scenery like he needs to be. He's looking badass oh. in that like makeup. And then he has great just villain. some like, great lines. Just the hello. I'm Christopher Pike of USS Enterprise. Hi, Christopher. I'm Neo. I'm Nero. Nero. <laughs> I rewatched that again recently too. Hold up. Oh yeah, another good yeah. adventure film. Another very good adventure film. Um, but then there is another biting the tongue scene that I that sticks in my head all the time, and it's between Achilles and Patroclus when it's like Achilles has decided that they're not going to fight because he's pissed <laughs> off that they stole Briseis <laughs> from him. And Isn't the soldiers obey? So exactly, soldiers <laughs> obey. And then just Brad Pitt has this moment where he like is about to speak, and he puts his hands up like imploringly, and he looks like that. That he's like you know that like weird white like creature meme yes. where they're just putting the arms up like what? The cat room guardian. It's, exactly. No. It's just kind of like, and there's this moment of just like, just. I know. I'm like, I could sense it's like I don't know. The character himself is like. You're not getting it. <laughs> you're not <laughs> getting what I'm saying. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's also a bit of Brad Pitt being like, you're giving me nothing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of bad line reads in this movie. Um, there's there's uh, the, the already like the, the, the code is simple. There's a lot of extras that got lines like I sent a boy to look for him. That's just terrible. Or one person that one says, oh. he's going back to the city, back to the back. city. I'm like, what? Like why would you why would you do it that way? 
when I always remember when the ships are going and then Achilles kind of takes his ship to go on its own to like take the beach and then the one I think king or someone with like the long hair he's like black sails it's Achilles <laughs> <laughs> it's so dramatic and I'm like it felt like for a moment we were transported to Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> black sails. It's the Black Pearl. It's, it's the Black Pearl. <laughs> yeah, a lot of good moments. Like a lot, lot of, lot of good, like kind of bad line reads. But like, pretty much everything Garrett Hedlund as Patroclus says in this movie is a bad uh, line read. It's, I know. It's so upsetting. Uh, but he is like a good actor in other things. He was amazing in the movie Mudbound that came out a few years ago. Like really good. Um, he was terrible in Aragon, but everyone was terrible in Aragon. It's like um, he was good in Four Brothers, but then in this in this movie, yeah. it's just like every time it's like, and I I just I look at Wolfgang Peterson, the director. I'm kind of like, I I, I don't I I feel like he could have given him another crack at that line read because I think there was a yeah. better way to do it. <laughs> You told me I would fight. Like, <laughs> we can't just sail away. You know, yeah, like every so often he'd just be like weird. Like he'd change his voice every scene. And I'm like, huh, I feel like you didn't. Maybe it was, again, in some of those like accent videos that I was watching. They would say like sometimes you can tell if like an actor didn't have enough time for, to prepare yeah. for something. This might be like either lack of experience, lack of preparation, or lack of just like support to be like, let's try this again. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's do something else with that, shall we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, and I think it's a, it's a sad thing, right? When there's like, he probably could have given a good performance. We've seen him give a great, like, great performance in other movies. Um, he was also very young at this point, and this was like yeah. one of his first big things. So I, I'm glad that he got other opportunities after this because. Yeah. It would have been very easy for people to be like, hmm, well, that, that failed. Okay, moving on to the next, I don't know, 20-something white dude that we keep on throwing opportunities at. Let's go. Yeah. Every so often when I see an actor, I'm like, I wonder what other actors are, like, put forward for auditions to for the same part. Like, who else is, like, and I'm like, I definitely, I don't know if it's a faux pas to mention his name, but, like, him and Army Hammer definitely would have gone for the same part. <laughs> A million percent. I feel like Army Hammer would have been like if they had made Troy today. Well, maybe not today. Maybe two years ago before the whole cannibalism <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe two years ago. If they made Troy then, I'm pretty sure he would have been up for the role of Achilles. Like his, oh, he's yeah. kind of like that sort of that level at the moment. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. okay, so we, so we need to move on from just the random stuff that really only matters to us and uh, get into the the other thing. <laughs> but before we do, I just have one thing to say. The burning it to the ground is oh the worst break in an accent <laughs> ever. Ground. Oh, same with. Oh, yeah. I wrote down a lot about Helen's accent. <laughs> a German does something. Because <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I think she's like German American or something she to is, that yeah. extent. And yeah, I feel like that was another one where I was like, I don't think she got enough direction on what accent to pick. Because there was, like, a few... Same with, like, Brad Pitt. He didn't do a full British. He kind of just did, like, ancient accent. Yeah, the, like, general. nondescript, like, Lord of the Rings-esque, like, yeah, vaguely like English. Yeah. They need to go fighting. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Oh, my God. 
They're burning it to the ground. They're burning it to the ground. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I, I quote that all the time. And that was the one where Lauren was off doing oh something. And she hears it. And she's like, hey. <laughs> there it was. And she's burning it to the ground. Oh, my gosh. What a horrible moment. But also amazing. What a horrible <laughs> moment in an otherwise great movie. Um, yeah. So what is like let's let's start at the at the beginning because admittedly at the beginning of watching this movie I was thinking to myself like I think this might actually be terrible like the opening is like to this movie is like is quite rough as like at the like the very beginning I mean like first of all the text it, the text is terrible like it yeah, it says it's a weird choice it like says everything that literally the next scene is going to tell us so I don't know why yeah. we needed that um it's shaky I don't know why like for the first like five minutes of this oh. movie it's actually the camera is like is shaking but it's just looking at like flat text so I'm like what is happening <laughs> I don't know I like, it's, like, this seems like it was added in very last minute as like as like there's like some pub some like um you know some producer probably gave a note like people aren't going to know what's happening oh, and no. like people are going to be like confused for like a minute and a half and we can't have that they <laughs> Yeah, like, I couldn't tell you what it says. Like, I took <laughs> no info from it that wasn't already, like, told in the next scene. Yeah, like, literally the next land is, like, the next line is, like, is most, the next scene is mostly exposition for exactly what we just learned. It's, like, yeah. get, your, get your army off my land. You can't have the whole world. I think I can I like have your the whole land. world. I think I'll stay. stay. I like That's another good <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so all of that it's like, and then we have like the terrible line read of "I sent a boy to look for him." And it's like, and then the the kid who's going off and doing some he's acting, and um, and then I just like I was like, so I'm watching the movie, and I'm kind of like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be bad, isn't it? And then we have that <laughs> first fight scene between like Achilles and Bro Boagrius, and it's like I've never seen anything like that in a movie before yeah. or since. Just that you would have this opening fight scene that so perfectly showcases everything about this character. Mm -hmm. The fact that he, he's like, he, like, hates, he's like, he's in it for the glory. He hates this king. He can be persuaded, is like, for, like, the men. Like, he does have something going on, like, beneath the, the like, the, but, like, this mm -hmm. the armor or something like that. But at the same time, he's just so freaking good. He murdered this guy so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah i remember like it was also cool that it's like ah this character has a signature how fun so then it, like when it's called back later you're like <laughs> you know that that's the thing he does to kill people <laughs> yeah that, so i remember in the featurettes them talking about like how the, in the script it says achilles fights like a god and they're like and like the yeah. the, 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 the like fight coordinators are like huh. cool well um <laughs> What is uh what's that supposed to look like? <laughs> it would just be so difficult, but they manage it. Like it is like not mm -hmm. a known style. It's a lot of moves that I admittedly have never seen other people do before. There's like and that yeah, that signature move, the jump and like stab downwards every time I think it's in the movie three times, and every time you see it, it's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, I think he does it. He does it there. He tries to do it at another point and he hits a shield. I remember when watching it and seeing he was like building up for it. I was like, oh no! <laughs> <And then> he, <laughs> run, Hector, run! <laughs> I know. And then he kind of half 
uses that similar sort of thing to actually like kill Hector. Spoiler alert. But yeah. It is very impressive. And so like from that opening, I think like it starts off like very, very shaky. But then by the end of it, I'm just like, I was settled in kind of like, okay, these people know what they're doing. This is going to be, this is going to be good. And it was, it, it was, it went, it went through. It was good. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you can watch movies and like, you can tell that, I don't know, maybe uh, whether it's like writing or directing, like they know how they want the movie to go, but they have no idea how to start it. And <laughs> I think Armageddon is like that <laughs> very different movie, but it starts with like narration. <laughs> Yeah, and by then like Charlton never, Heston. Yeah, and then it never revisits any kind of narration again. And it also was like narration that was not needed at all. And then with Troy, it starts with like text and then it ends with narration. Is there a narration at the beginning? There is at the very a beginning. Little bit, right? Yeah, so it's like they go from text to a static shot of a blank field with Sean Bean yeah. talking about like eternity and like who will remember oh, us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like they did not need the text. They just used Sean and then they used the next scene. Like that was that was good. And it, it did like it brings up right from the bat, like right off the bat, the main theme of this whole bit, which is kind of like the nature of war is like, is it a is it poetry that's imprinted upon civilization for all eternity? Or is it this like horrific necessity that you can only really use accurately? Like, honorably if you're using it for protection um and like i i think that it's really cool that they set that off right off the bat yeah i remember not having very poetic thoughts about it though because all, all i kept thinking was like how do they know to show up at the same time <laughs> when they battle there's like Who this like this? beautiful beautiful sean bean speech happening and i'm just like how does he know that that's the field to show up at <laughs> How do they know how many people to bring? Like, do they bring all their people? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm stupid. Never mind. I'm only this is not the point of the scene. Oh, yeah. There's it's like there's. Well, it's it's cool because it kind of comes back over the course of this, is like the movie as well. Like you have, I think it's like Achilles, and it's like um, who's definitely the kind of like his whole reason for fighting is he wants to be remembered for forever. He yeah. wants the glory. Um, and then like Hector's all like, reason for like uh, for fighting is to protect all the things that he cares about. And the fact that they set up this kind of like duality between the two characters is uh, I think is like, is very smart. It's like, it's not necessarily it's present in the Iliad, but I think they kind of mm -hmm. like making the two characters so obviously like diametrically opposed in terms of what they think of, is like in terms of uh, what they think of fighting as, I think is a really cool yeah. way to say it's like to kind of bring the theme into character. Agreed, agreed. So I I have a favorite scene in this movie. It's like it's like um, huh. and I, I imagine you you do as well. It's like uh, it's, like, it's outside of the random nonsense scenes that we've been talking about <laughs> like before. <laughs> it's um, it's like do you have it's like a favorite scene? It's like uh, that you would like to like to bring up and talk about like i mean the the achilles hector scene is oh yeah just like the best that fight scene it's, is awesome yeah it's great there are like each fight fight sequence i enjoy overall for because i feel like throughout the movie you're constantly changing like your allegiances of like yeah try and then you're like 
oh, but Achilles is sick. Like, I hate Agamemnon, but, like, I kind of want the Greeks to win. (laughs) (laughs) With, like, each fight, since, like, each fight has, like, its own kind of, like, winner. But, like, that um, fight scene of just the two of them, it's, like, the two characters from each side that, like, you're rooting for. And you're, like, no. And you're trying to figure out ways that maybe both of them will get out alive because like it happened with paris like no good character died then but now it's just them so the stakes are so high and like they fight choreo oh god there's so many o's in that word choreo oh no (laughs) this is a dumpster fire choreography (laughs) (laughs) the fight choreography is splendid and like more realistic i think than a lot of fight choreography because they're tired <laughs> yes and they're like very visibly fatigued and hot <laughs> oh yeah it's like so there there's a movie that came out after this that i feel is like the last of these kind of movies that kind of worked for me and it was called kingdom of heaven with um orlando bloom that's what i was trying to think of yeah, yeah. it was about like the crusades of like that and the original movie itself wasn't very good but the director's cut is quite good um mm. And in it, they bring forward this theme of like, because Orlando Bloom's character is effectively like trying to be be 100% virtuous, like not do anything wrong. And so he's given an opportunity to basically usurp the shitty king that exists um, in a very, like in a kind of like this clear like route, he would then become king of music and everything would be peaceful and he'd save everybody from dying but he won't do it because it would be a dishonorable act for him to like go against the person who is the king. And there's this line that Jeremy Irons has where he says, Jerusalem doesn't need a perfect knight. Effectively, what you're describing, like this like need that you have to be 100% virtuous is literally only helping you. It helps nobody. And I was thinking about that a lot in comparing like Paris and Hector and kind of like them, Paris runs from the fight with Menelaus and um it's like in doing so it like saves himself which is not great but then later on is like puts himself in a position where he can actually do good to, during the fall of troy as opposed yeah. to hector who is bound by honor to go out to an obvious death against achilles where he wouldn't need to and like if he had just stayed behind the walls troy <laughs> probably wouldn't have fall they would as they fell it would have been fine mm-hmm. um and so like the, looking at that kind of uh, it's weird because i value that honor i value the fact that he goes out and i think most people would most people look at that and we all think of it like that's what you're supposed to do but at the same time pragmatically it is it is really the reason why everything goes to shit <laughs> yeah it very much falls into like the trope that like makes me mad when i watch movies because it's like he's like i have to for my honor meanwhile his wife and freaking baby are over here being like fully saying i won't survive if you die <laughs> so you can't and he's like oh but my country and she's like your you your country doesn't care about you <laughs> other than like that, ways that you can serve it and even like when you're trying to serve your country your dad's like the gods and it's like, <laughs> so, like it's so some of those things i'm like oh man like i would be so mad <laughs> i think i'd be more mad than sad in that moment <laughs> if i was his wife i'd be like you idiot you get your ass back in here right now. <laughs> I'd go out to Achilles being like, Hector can't play today. You need to leave. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I think, like, of all the roles in this movie, Andromache, like, Hector's wife, is the most thankless of the bunch. Like, that actress, she literally, her, like, her, like, I think her direction must have been, okay, now quiver. 
quiver like a leaf. Yeah. More quivering. <laughs> More quiver. <laughs> quiver against the grandeur. And it's just yeah, be sad. It, it's so like thankless. It's like and it's funny because like the movie 300, which is another like movie kind of like this, it has very di- similar themes, themes about like being remembered forever about like the purpose of war, glory, sacrifice, obviously way more stylized, done by Zach is like a uh, by um oh, Zack Snyder. So therefore not really interested in getting too heady with the themes, more it was like yeah. more about like the the visual poetry of it or whatnot. But there is something kind of cool about how they depict the like the soon to be widowed is like of a war veteran in those movies in that movie specifically mm-hmm. as opposed to this one this one is a lot more like traditional the thankless role of the kind of unhappy wife yeah. sitting there going like please don't go as opposed to the wife in 300 played by eva green no not eva green um the, the woman who plays cersei in game of thrones uh lena hetty uh, yeah yeah <laughs> we got there i really i really helped <laughs> you did good <laughs> i was gonna say lena dunham but that's very <laughs> but like when he's leaving to go she basically turns to him and says like come back with your shield or on it which is like a, a classic spartan like line effectively yeah. like and it's like a show of like kind of like the intense strength that was needed from like from her in that moment to be able to kind mm-hmm. of push it because it shows uh, like off screen that she's obviously very upset about this. And like, you know, I don't need everybody to be that. Not everyone needs to bottle their emotions up and show that sort of like strength. But that form of like of strength is often very lacking for that role in these movies because we need to pull on the heartstrings. And so it's very different to see the heartstring puller instead say, you better get out there and you better do good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably because like there's not really a lot of other roles that give you an emotional reaction within Troy. So they're like, "All right, it's all on you." <laughs> okay, Quiver. we're not getting. We're not really gonna get much from Helen. We're really not gonna get much from Orlando right now. So no, it's all no. on yeah, I don't really know what was going on with Orlando Bloom in this movie. He's. I don't know. I was trying to look it up because I was like, is this his first movie? But he had already done Lord of the Rings at this point. And, but also, like, I don't know, the emotional range you have to show for Legolas is very non existent. So, yeah, um, like, he, I don't know if he really has that much emotional range in any movie that is like, I think the, the most emotional I've seen him get in is the that's not good enough in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah, that's a moment. That's a moment. <laughs> that's a spike <laughs> <laughs> yeah on his like basic scale of like flat that yeah. like, um but yeah i don't know because i remember like watching that scene and like i feel emotionally affected by like his wife's reaction i feel bad that i don't remember her name um but then like paris is just kind of like oh no like <laughs> He seems to have more of an emotional reaction after his own fight when he runs away and he's like talking yeah. to Helen being like, I'm a coward. And she kind of just doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you know, like, that's fine. But also self-preservation is real. <laughs> yeah. But also you put yourself into that position. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was really not much of anything. Priam had a reaction. That was, yes. that was good. Good job. I, I remember being so like as a kid so like caught up in the kind of like oh paris didn't even fight like he's like he's such a coward sort of thing and now that i'm older i'm kind of looking at him like oh 
don't make him fight poor boy get back inside <laughs> i'm also like watch it and i'm like that's that's the most realistic uh reaction that that character would have like he's grown up in palaces his whole life his brother's been the one to have to fight in wars like because he's older and all that like he hasn't had to do anything so even when he's like talking to helen and being like we could run away together i could <laughs> i could not dare <laughs> i could feed us like, like no you couldn't <laughs> yeah it's like we could live off the land and it's like the reaction is like this kid's stupid i was like well yeah this kid's probably like a freaking teenager or like an early 20 something like Everybody thinks that about their like first romantic interest. They're like, "Oh my god, we're gonna live off the land." Live off so, the land. Yeah, I could, I could not dare. Um, I, people would have been dissatisfied with any other conclusion from that fight, anyway. So that scene yeah. is meant to make you angry. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's the point. And it, it does it does remind me of a line from uh, it's like everyone's favorite A Knight's Tale with the was like when the princess is saying to Heath Ledger that they should leave. And it's like, and he's like, "Oh, you speak of what you do not know. Like, what are we gonna like live with our kids lying in the dirt in the pit with the pigs? Yes, <laughs> with the pigs. With yes, with Billy, the pigs. with the pigs. <laughs> Single <laughs> tear. <laughs> She's like wearing this beautiful gown. She's like, yes, with the pigs. <laughs> um, so it's it's interesting that like we bring so yeah, the Hector Achilles fight scene is probably one of the best scenes." in the movie like a great moment where you do want to know what happens much better than in the actual iliad where hector just like achilles roars at him and achilles gets uh, hector gets so scared that he starts running and achilles chases him around troy like three times before eventually catching up to him and killing him um yeah. so like yeah you know not very cinematic and not very thematic of kind of putting up these two ideas of like a man who is just pure emotion and rage and like personal glory versus a person who is about honor and protection and um yeah what i kind of love about it is that it goes really well with with my favorite scene which is actually the fight scene that comes just before that it's the scene where patroclus ends up dying um yeah it's a good one it is this beautiful scene because it starts with like this basically the the scene proper starts with this fade off of like the night attack into like Hector standing in front of his army and he's like obviously so not mad. happy to be there and starts smashing his spear against his shield and then all of it like pans to reveal the mass of the Trojan army waiting on top of this hill and then the Greeks looking terrified was like was, like waiting at the bottom of the hill and uh and then is like suddenly Achilles shows up or so we think with the with the Myrmidons and James Horner's score picks up with that like Achilles theme and oh, great music it's so good is running up he that like, does this like spear thrust and then just rallies all the greeks so then they're rushing up as the trojans are rushing down the huge armies meet and the music like actually like gets into a new point that we've never been for the achilles mm-hmm. theme this like beautiful trumpet bit
in that moment, like, I kind of, I find myself buying into the poetry of war, like, in a strange way. It's like, there's these two massive sides, their champions in the front, smashing into each other, with the music blaring, with people having, like, glory all around, and then in the very center, Achilles and Hector meet each other. And you're like, this is what it was meant to be. This is what Achilles was promising when he let Hector go way back at the very beginning. This is how they were meant to fight in this moment. And they have this fight and Achilles loses. And then it turns out it actually wasn't Achilles. It was Patroclus the whole time. And suddenly all of the poetry of that scene just crumples away into the reality of this like kid dying with his throat slit on the ground. And it's just like, it's such a good scene. That entirety of it is so thematically poignant, so beautifully done. And it's just, every time I watch that scene, I'm like, and I'm like, that was the moment where I'm watching this. And it's specifically when the music kicks into that like second gear as they're like running and then the two armies clash. I'm like, I think this might be the best movie that's ever been. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is how you say a masterpiece. <laughs> a masterpiece. It's yeah, so that... good. Oh, it's it just, also it's is like so well acted. And like, I think it's a good scene to, I don't know, show a bit of like, yeah, like they have these two, the two sides, like all kind of clashing together. But then it's like one moment where like all sides can recognize like, we're we're done for today. Like Hector just killed basically a child and is probably going to die himself very soon. So we should all just go home. We'll relax and we'll try again tomorrow because this was not a good day in the office. And like there's the moment where uh, Boromir <laughs> goes, <laughs> goes over to Hector and was just like, that was his cousin. And you can see in Hector's face, he's like, fuck. I am, I am so a dead. dead. <laughs> I'm dead man walking. I am going to be killed by this man. And there's nothing I can really do. To and stop there's that. nothing I can do. This is just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Oh. Say with the scene immediately after where um, Achilles comes out of his hut, like so happy, and then immediately so angry, <laughs> pissed off. It's such like a, like a pouty form of pissed off. Like mm. <laughs> I know. He's like, I told you not to go. I didn't want to fight today. And then he's so sad. He's so sad. Uh, he's so sad. And, and then, then he's so he angry gets mad at Roseburn. And I hate that. Nobody should be mean to Roseburn ever. She's a princess goddess lady. She should be treated with respect. What is what do you know her from other than this? Bridesmaids. <laughs> okay, that is okay. Yeah. yeah, she's also in neighbors. Um, oh, that's her. Oh, she's yeah. in X-Men first class. Yeah, Moira. And I know, like, she's in quite a few things. I always confuse her with um, the lady from Dark Knight Rises, Marion something. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal? No, oh, Marion Cotillard. No. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal. That's Jake's sister. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe yeah, soon confused... to be Oscar nominated for The Lost Daughter. We'll see for her director oh. directorial debut. Maybe. Could be. Who knows? Interesting. Well, I suppose you, the audience, will know because the uh, the it's like the, the nominees will be out by the time you hear this. So let us know. <laughs> yeah, I'll just 
Gargano proactively say, I'm mad at the results, even though I don't know what they will be. And I don't know how I feel. (laughs) I am super pissed off that Denzel Washington is not going to get nominated for the tragedy of Macbeth. I don't know if he will or not, but I'm angry already. (laughs) I'm already angry. Ah, Father, Son, House of Gucci. Um, Yeah, that that movie's definitely not going to is it Lady Gaga might get nominated? It. Lady Gaga might get nominated, but I doubt that movie will be nominated for Best Picture, unfortunately. No, I think she will be nominated. I hope so, but I don't think that she will get it. I think no, people not. are really on the Nicole Kidman train right now. Oh, for the um that Aaron Sorkin Bull, movie. Yeah. Like being the Ricardos? Yeah. 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 But yeah, Roseburn. Roseburn is great. Her character did not get the justice she deserved. Yeah, well, no, actually, those... she got to kill Agamemnon. That was pretty sick. I was that glad was that. Sick. I was glad that she was the one who got to do that because they very easily could have been foreshadowing to Achilles killing him. Because which, like, based off of the line he said before, of like, before this war is done, I will look down on your body and smile or something. I wouldn't be surprised if they had it originally written written as him killing Agamemnon and Troy, but then they were like, nah, it would be so much better <laughs> if Perseus killed him. So, who knows, but... So, like, I think I can't remember the original Iliad especially well, and I never read the Odyssey, so it's like, which was, like, but Agamemnon, I don't think actually dies in the Iliad at Troy. He actually makes no. it home. Um, but then is cursed by some god or whatnot, and ends up getting murdered by one of his servants. I think so. I think that is kind of like the. I think so. And then yeah. he has a a gold mask on. Yeah, that sounds god. right. Yeah. And they have it in a museum. And I saw it. Um, but yeah, I thought that was cool that she got like <laughs> at least one moment of like <laughs> being on top. Yeah, it's like it's, yeah, it's like so she didn't have it's like she didn't have the majority of her like role have to just be getting mansplained about the gods by a <laughs> by Achilles for a bit. Yeah, be like, did you know there's a god of war? <laughs> She's like, obviously she does. <laughs> yeah, dummy. But... Clearly. Yeah, I did like but... the one line that he has to her where she, where he's like, you hate the soldiers. And she says, I pity them. And he responds like, Tro- like Trojan soldiers died to protect you. Maybe they deserve more than your pity. And I'm like, oh, that's a yeah. cool line. I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. Um, I also enjoy the small little comedic moment of like him trying to like wash her face and then just throwing the cloth at her. <laughs> <laughs> and her throwing it back and then him just like calmly dropping it in the bucket (laughs) it's like not a movie that has a lot of um comedic elements and i think that is like was wise it's yep didn't but it has like little moments of like like just like not quite laugh out loud but little like exhale exhale through the nose yeah (laughs) exactly yeah a lot of them are brian cox's lines just like the i love the um achilles saying Apparently you won a great victory today. Oh, perhaps you didn't notice. <laughs> like, yeah. That's... I also had written down one of his first lines of like, um, what is it? It's like, of all the warlords loved by the gods, I hate him the most. The most. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's so good. In his like, in Brian Cox's like, timeline video thing, he mentioned that like, sometimes I'm never sure with like, big, like classical actors, if they look down on like, some of these like, big, action Mm -hmm. movies and adventure movies but apparently he said something around the lines of like 
that was a role where he was like, I really pushed, like, I wanted that role really bad, basically, and, like, kind of campaigned for it. Because he was like, I could tell, like, I was, like, a dead ringer for that role. So I really wanted it. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. That, he does like, a great job. He's he's in so many big, like, franchisey things. And he kind of talks about it in the video where he's like, before Succession, I kind of was able to be anonymous. And I'd have every so often people being like, oh, you're that guy from, like, X-Men. Or you're that guy from Troy. Or, like random like you're that one villain guy from this one big franchise but now since succession he's like yeah i've lost all anonymity and i can't really walk around anymore I'm like oh that's kind of sad <laughs> like at the end of your like i don't know it's more the end of his career than the beginning so yeah <laughs> that's, closer to the end yeah. of the beginning <laughs> yeah exactly but he's so neat he's a interesting fellow he is neat he is neat it's like and it is i think he is probably the best actor in this is like for sure um yeah he, he does have probably one of the worst he's given one of the um the one of the worst like on the nose scene transitions of all time of the um it's like we when the guy's like we need to kill he's like there's only one man he'll listen to and then we like <laughs> go to this i'm like oh god that's just terrible yeah. <laughs> I'm like oh i wonder who it is <laughs> yeah the only the only scene transition that i think almost is as bad as that one is that i think we should burn it but it's like, oh, it was like, what about the Trojan horse? And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, father, burn it. And then like cut to them just bringing it into the city. <laughs> we have a gift. <laughs> Yay. That was one of the things that like, um, one of the ways that like, I felt like the ending happened so fast. Because it was like, they received this thing. He's like, burn it. And they're like, it's a gift. And rather than him being like, no, this could be a trick from the Greeks. Like, I don't think I trust that. Like, he just says, burn it. And then they're like, no <laughs> bring it inside and sorry, i thought I we're like sitting, this... sitting in there as the greeks just listening to it like i think we should burn it everyone's like no <laughs> <laughs> a little voice being like no this is I, the gods <laughs> i think you should take it into the city <laughs> who said that no one <laughs> Is that Game of Thrones Sean <laughs> <John> Bean? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not. It's Apollo. <laughs> but I thought like the sequence of like the um the Greeks coming out of the horse was very cool. Like I don't know if I would have changed like that happened quickly, but I don't know if I would have changed that because I thought like that matched with the music was so cool. Because yeah. it's like they were like just reminding me of like bugs they're just like a little infestation in troy that like completely destroyed everything um it just seemed to like be over so quickly (laughs) yeah well and it's like the scene where like that scene as it like plays out where they then go and start murdering people and then the like the reveal of like the army waiting to march as like the doors open is it's just like you're like oh god it's over like it's so over yeah it's like, yeah, they very much could have like milked that whole moment for a long time. So I guess it's like good in that regard. Um, I feel like just like the transition from doing like big battle scenes to then like there's a horse. <laughs> like <laughs> what was like it just seemed like such like a shift. Yep. And I don't know how I would have changed it at all, but um yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's hard. And it's like and I think it's like it's also weird because at that stage, like like usually as a as a movie, what you want to do is you want to have your main character like kind of finish their character arc as the movie ends. Um 
But instead, like, Achilles' like character arc effectively ends after he kills Hector, and then Priam comes to talk to him. So this entire yeah. last fight scene is not really, it's like, have, like, Achilles has things he wants to do, but, like, he's done. Like, that, like, his character arc is kind of over. And, is like, and which makes sense, because in the original, Achilles was dead before Troy even fell. And it's like, um... Yeah. It's like, but... Yeah, he's kind of just there to get Brise- uh, Briseis out of there at that point. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, he just had the... He's kind of, like, done with fighting. Fighting. He was done with fighting. Done with the Greeks. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like both him and Hector had their own, like, crisis of faith moments mm-hmm. with it because like with Hector he like is talking to the council people or whatever and is like this dude just like desecrated Apollo's temple and like Apollo didn't do anything and now you're putting all your faith in these gods that like aren't gonna fight this war like I don't think we should be doing this <laughs> and he's like but the gods he's like well the gods are stupid and then he's like do not mock the gods and then with like hector his whole thing is like i want to be remembered and i want to be a fighter and all these things and then he like defeats the biggest warrior of troy and he's like oh this feels horrible (laughs) i still feel horrible because i'm still fighting in like someone else's war i also just like met the father of like the man that i killed and i'm like oh this doesn't feel lovely um this doesn't feel like the legacy that i wanted and so then by then I think he's just like, Yeah, I'm I'm done and I just need to get Briseis out of there. Yeah. And it's the sorrow of it is that like he's given that choice, that opportunity to make the choice by his mother way back in the day, where she effectively says, like, if you go to Troy, you'll have glory, um, and it's like it's gonna happen, but you're gonna die. It's like and if you go it's like if you like stay here, you'll meet like a nice woman and you'll have your like a whole life, but you know, then you'll be forgotten. And he makes mm-hmm. the choice then to go to Troy. Um, but then halfway through changes his mind, but then like in true Greek tragedy style, like you made your choice back in act one or something like yeah. that. It's too late now. Like it's, it, you're, you can't go back and everything, even though at the end he wants the anonymity, he wants the, it's like the, this girl and he wants to go off and like have like a nice life with her. The fates will not allow it. And instead he is doomed to die and then be remembered all the way up until 2022. Yep pretty much i also that was another scene transition that i like outwardly laughed at (laughs) this guy being told by his mother if you go i will never see you again and then it shows up on the ship (laughs) (laughs) he just like looks off to the sea and then the next day he came on the ship like well i guess i'm gone now (laughs) (laughs) i thought that was really funny but it's like well mom see ya (laughs) you told me all i needed to hear (laughs) nice knowing you (laughs) yeah well there's a couple of things i want to talk about before we we wrap this up it's like um one of them is is like the idea of kind of like literature like adaptations so we talked a little bit about how this is related to the iliad which is possibly in a lot of ways considered to be almost unfilmable it's one of those things Uh like lord of the rings or dune or paradise lost where people are like can't be done so far lord of the rings and dune have both been like at least well one of them's been half done but but it's like they are they've been done well enough that people are like oh yeah okay we were wrong paradise lost still up for debate we'll see if that one ever makes it to the screen (laughs) um but there are some things that are missing from troy that are like deliberately removed is like um that i i wonder if they were the best things to remove so the one thing is the gods the gods themselves are in the iliad a lot um and they're removed from troy entirely 
to be it's not that they are real, but they are more like nebulous, like more ethereal, like what we're familiar with in terms of God figures. Um, but I just love the pettiness of the Greek gods. Like there's something really true to my my nature of like humanity looking out upon the world, like humanity looking out upon the world and saying like, clearly this was made by a loving God. Sometimes doesn't make sense to me. It makes more sense for them to look out on the world and be like, Places run by a bunch of assholes. There's so many great things of like of pe- the pettiness of the gods in the Iliad of like freaking like uh, Athena beating the crap out of as like Ares on the battlefield. Her like walking away. Aphrodite then sneaks onto the battlefield to try and like pick Ares up and carry him off. Athena turns, sees she's doing this, so then stalks back and punches a fa- like Aphrodite out and then walks away. <laughs> Effectively, wisdom just like laying out war and love in one like fell swoop. And just like that sort of stuff is great. And you just it's not in Troy. Like it like it, it does, it wouldn't work with the type yeah. of movie they're making for sure. But it's just like kind mm-hmm. of it's sad to leave so much great material on the cutting room floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you remember any of that. I don't remember. I barely remember anything from reading the Iliad because I hated every moment of it. Yeah. Well, let's see. I'm not sure if you read the same version I did, the one where everyone's words had wings. Um, it was like that. It was the classic thing. It was that whenever they're like, Nestor spoke, his words had wings. And I'm like, what? Oh, like, was, they're basically huh? saying, like, you know, he, like, he, like, was inspirational his like his words gave oh. people this like sort of thing but it's like a very literal transit translation and so it's just kind of like very clunky it was boring as hell to read yeah i do remember like when reading it like the gods being mentioned and because i had seen troy before reading it i was like too locked into like what i understood troy to be that i was just like are these people what <laughs> i like couldn't understand <laughs> what? what was happening and then I think I made it to the catalog of ships. And then I was like, I can never read again. I'd forgotten <laughs> how to read because this chapter <laughs> is the worst of all time. I think like anyone who is like, I don't know, there's always the classic when a movie, no, when a book becomes a movie, it's like, oh, the book was better. If someone says that the Iliad is better, I don't, I don't like them. Or like, they're not fun. <laughs> they don't know how they're not fun at parties and i don't think i want to hang out with them because it's unreadable oh i just so like i i kind of agree like but i think that there would be a way to no. make it like was like my my thing is that like the story itself is great the, yeah. the way that it was like the translation i was reading was terrible but i feel like there would be a way to make that translation better like yeah okay we do not need like book three which is just basically homer vamping up the crowd going basically like and your father he was there and your great-grandfather he was also there that's what it was like every they always go how it's like oh it'll be the biggest fleet the world has ever seen i'll i'll sail a thousand ships and they describe who is on all 1000 ships they're like so and so is the captain, and his father stole bread, and like they go into so much detail about every single. And I remember just like turning the pages of that chapter, and I was like, "It doesn't end." 
and like the book is thick and i was like is most of it the catalog of ships like this is ridiculous it was horrible yeah it was terrible and and then it's like what makes it worse is that every time a two characters meet to fight they have like a similar have to have a similar exchange like it's like i am this person i did all these great things and that's why my favorite character in the entirety of the iliad isn't even in troy his name is sarpedon he's a trojan soldier and he is like a son of zeus and he meets the son of hercules like so the grand the the grandson of zeus on the battlefield from the like and this guy goes in this huge thing like oh yeah you're the son of zeus well guess what i'm the son of the better son of zeus like what have you done hercules is known for all the wives like and like i'm gonna be show you that i am still better than you even one is like a step removed and sarpedon in very old greek thing basically has the equivalent saying yeah i guess we'll see and they fight <laughs> and Sarpedon wins. And then afterwards he's like, well, I suppose we saw. And I'm like, that man, that man is a god to me. And so every time he would show up, I'd be so excited. And then he ends up dying. is like out, on the outside of Troy. And in his dying breath, he turns to his friend and basically says, if you don't get my body back to Troy, I'm going to haunt you forever. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like, this, this man. Messy, messy man. <laughs> so good and i'm just like and so the one thing I, I understand not including the gods i understand not including aeneas except for the very end is like the young kid who like takes the sword from paris i understand all of these things you have tecton in there randomly just gets murdered by achilles at the very beginning by a spear taking a spear to the neck like you named him you cast him where's my sarpedon at where art thou where art thou sarpedon what like why like all these other people lysander is in there all these other trojans that we barely see sarpedon at the very least could have been a trojan we barely see (laughs) all right one last thing i'd like to talk about and then you can talk about is they talk about whatever you'd like before we go i uh i wanted to talk a little bit about wolfgang peterson the the director because i did it i went back and i watched his first movie his three and a half to four hour long movie about a submarine in world war ii called das boot or oh. das boot as i like to call it um and like okay for, so just to start it's it is amazing it's a very well-made movie um it is very claustrophobic and it's like very kind of ang- like anxiety written with a lot of like submarine battles with like dreadnoughts and like them sitting in silence getting like hit by depth charges and every time i would be like okay so the movie should be over now right and then they'd be like oh no there's still like another two hours i'm like well what could they possibly do and they'd find something new to do i'm like oh okay well that was good okay now it must be almost done right another hour and 20 minutes what okay it's like and it just kept going and going and i can see from this movie like this early movie you can see a lot of the stuff that he's going to be known for like the idea that he has these huge casts with a lot of different characters that he's trying to find time to like to sort them all into. You can see that he's still at this point thinking about the kind of importance of war and whether it is worth it or not. Um, he still has like this kind of aspect going on about like trying to mix in a little bit of comedy with like mostly just a very like kind of depressing environment. <laughs> and uh, he's still very big on like making the ending hella depressing. So um, spoiler for that, Ooh. if you guys are interested, it's like, um, but then it's weird because from this movie, he then goes on to do The NeverEnding Story, 
Um, what? Yep. <laughs> his first English language film. Oh and then goodness. he just became the like kind of go-to director for like early to mid 2000s action fair is like um like or not even just action more like drama like drama epics like yeah you have troy it's like but you also have poseidon as we said which was terrible you also have perfect storm which the way that like mom described perfect storm when i was a kid i just thought it was going to be the saddest freaking movie in the history of humanity like <laughs> she seemed rocked by it in a way that i don't think i've ever oh, seen her no. be impacted by a movie and then i watched it and i'm like that would be pretty sad. It's like when dad watched Star is Born. <laughs> he, he was so affected by that for weeks. I felt so bad. Well, it's like, I think our, our parents don't really watch a lot of sad movies. Like mom is, is, like, is really <laughs> into raunchy comedies and dad is really into like revenge espionage flicks. They're not usually <laughs> watching like tear jerking dramas. <laughs> Oh my god, I remember mom talking about Perfect Storm. Like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but I remember, like, hearing about Perfect Storm, and, like, if it was mentioned, I'd be like, I don't think I can watch that. I've heard it's, like, the saddest movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) I probably heard that from mom. See, when I saw when I saw that, like, he was the same guy who did Perfect Storm, I was like, Mm -hmm. that feels like it makes sense to me. Like, Mm because, yeah, it's, like, kind of similar, like, your beloved character's probably not going to make it. It's going to be like man versus stakes that are bigger than him. Like that kind of thing. Poseidon was a bit like it was trying to be that so much, but it was like, I didn't care about anyone (laughs) (laughs) at all. Like I, I hated the main character. I thought he was a bit of an ass and I was like, Oh cool. I, I mostly hated that. Everybody was like, we need to go with this guy because he knows everything. I'm like, he sucks. He's not nice. <laughs> like, you're probably going to die soon. Do you want to be with this not nice man? <laughs> no. Or you or you could stay down here with Fergie. <laughs> yeah, you can stay with Fergie and Captain Holt and have a really good fun party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was like, oh, what's the name of that actor? I can't remember. The guy who was in What About Bob? It's like the the crazy. I, the, I can't the, and remember. I always want to say it's Martin Mull, but that's not Martin Mull. <laughs> no, he's also in Jaws. He's like he's such a good actor, and he does a great job in that movie. Is this kind of like really depressed, like a uh, professor who's like it's like who's kind of like whose partner like left him just before he got on yeah. the boat, and he's it's like there, there is like a pretty like it's it's obviously tragic and sad but also like played for to be a little bit kind of humorous where he is going to like commit suicide by jumping off the boat at the beginning and then looks and sees this rogue wave coming and instead decides to stay on the boat because like when actually when actually faced with the impending disaster that is this rogue wave it's kind of like "Mm, no maybe i don't want to do that (laughs) you know what maybe that ain't it Maybe that is. Yes, yeah, so I, I was. Su- I was surprised, and now I'm even more surprised to hear they did Neverending Story. Yeah, like he hasn't done a whole lot since, and I, I think like his he probably ran out of a lot of his goodwill with things like Poseidon, which cost a lot of money and was a remake of a movie called The Poseidon Adventure, um, and didn't do well at all. When um, I first watched it, I really liked it. <laughs> that was that was another movie that we watched, but like it didn't. We watched it a lot. Some, there must have been something wrong, though, because we didn't watch it nearly as often as we watched kind of like other action movies of that era. Yeah, because I, I remember also watching the special features of that. I was like, wow, this movie's so cool. Same with um, 
Aiden and I recently rewatched The Core like months oh, ago yeah. and I loved that movie when it came out and then I watched it again Aiden's like you know this is not good I was like I'm realizing that now but like I really <laughs> liked it so I feel like loyal to a fault of like if I liked a movie previously I have to still be able to find good in it now yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I refuse to like Armageddon I know it has its flaws Michael Bay is a bit much but I love that movie, and I don't think I will ever admit to anybody that there's flaws in it. <laughs> because I, it was the first movie I ever cried in, and the first movie I ever saw like a major death happen. So yeah. I'm like, this is the best movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, I like Armageddon. Armageddon is good. The core... Like yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's not great. I I loved it when I was younger as well. And Stanley there is Tucci like shouldn't have hair. No, no, and Haunted. there but there are like three good scenes in that movie. Stanley Tucci has one of them where he's at the very end recording his like yeah. final log <laughs> as doing? he's about to die, and then just suddenly he's like, "What the fuck am I doing?" And then just starts <laughs> laughing hysterically before he dies. Uh, yeah, there was like an era of like disaster adventure movies that i really enjoyed and not all of them were super successful no you <laughs> think it was titanic that did that uh, maybe the second half the second so, yeah the VHS. second vhs team see with twister twister did it i think well and um i think a lot of them like kind of forgot that um within and i think troy was guilty of this a little bit of like within these big epics and these big disasters and things like you still need something for people to relate to other than just wow that would be really scary like you still need to have like a person connection i think um uh day after tomorrow was better with it because you still had that father-son connection even though it was like a bit hard to make sometimes because they barely are on screen together but then you also have like He's just this young student who's like has a crush on this girl. And like, so there's still some of those like elements within it. But I think for things like Poseidon, like I didn't care about anybody. Like there wasn't enough time before the disaster for me to care about anyone because there were so many characters they were trying to fit into it. Yeah. Um, same with the core. I didn't really care about anyone. But like Perfect Storm, I remember caring about like, especially like the main character. And with Troy, I care more about like, Hector and I like am mad to care about Achilles because I'm like the pacifist in me is like no but also he's such a damaged little boy inside a man's body (laughs) he wants what all men want he just wants it more (laughs) exactly um so like I think it's still focused on the human elements but there was so much for it to cover that there were moments that probably could have pushed it a bit more usually with like the Paris like you were just mad at Paris and Helen the entire time. Yeah. And I like really didn't believe their love very much. No. So I'm like, I don't know if you're supposed to, I don't know if it's supposed to be like very obvious that it's like purely just like a lust driven young relationship. Or if you're supposed to believe that they're like so madly in love that they would <laughs> start this war. And then at multiple times be like, oh, I need to go back, or like, oh, no, we need to stop this. And then people are like, people sailed a long way to be here. <laughs> Let it happen <laughs> at this point. It'll be better. At this point, it's beyond. It's not even about you anymore. 
So get over yourself. And then at the end, after Paris has like pretty much is the cause for Troy falling in the long run, he just leaves Helen. He's just like, we'll be together again. Just go. And she's like, okay. And then leaves. (laughs) So it's like, cool. I'm really glad that everybody died for your love. That then is just kind of, I think that was another reason that the ending felt like it just kind of ended. Cause like that moment, I felt no emotional like impact on either of them. They just kind of yeah. both left and then that was it. But Oh, definitely. Like that, that whole, like that love stuff is between them is just like, whatever is the just two hot people who discovers they're both really hot. And <laughs> which, you know, in, in the, oh, yeah, it's effectively what it was. It was like Paris yeah. was given the choice of like, he was decided that he was the most attractive man in the world by the goddesses. And then three of them were like, okay, you can like, it's like, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but they were effectively like, pick me somehow as like, do is like something for me or whatnot. And I'll give you this. And he ends up picking Aphrodite because she says, Oh, I'll give you Helen, who is the most attractive woman in the world. <laughs> and that was the whole thing of it. I don't know. There's many ways that they could have done this that wouldn't have led to everyone dying. Like he's like, Oh yeah. I'm going to leave and then I'm going to come back later in a ship by myself stowed away. And that way people won't know that you left with the Trojan Prince. It'll all be good, but yeah. no, they don't do any of that. And so instead we, is like, we have this kind of like this original setup that they're still, the movie to its credit is still trying to make us care all the way through. They keep yeah. having scenes with them and I just keep not caring. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, I, I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm okay you you started the everything in motion that's cool okay let's let's get on to the yeah. next thing no please go away I feel like this movie could have been like five different stories depending on which character they focused on which I guess is all movies but like they could have had it be kind of like a Greek Romeo and Juliet where they really focus on Paris and Helen I'm glad they did not do that at least with like the the ways that they had initially written those characters but they chose to kind of go more focus on there's a heavier focus on like Hector, his duty to his country and his family and his own pride and honor and stuff, as well as like Achilles kind of going more like the two sides of the same coin rather than focusing on like this big love story, I think was a good decision. Yeah. Agreed. Unless agreed. they wrote the love better. <laughs> <They laughs> yeah. You know, there's, or or filmed it better. There are some films where it's like effectively like just the filmmaking itself can make you believe like these two really love each other. Like why would yeah. they say to each other? I don't even you know. You, you know, <laughs> they're both real pretty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are two. This is kind of off topic, but there are two random scenes in this movie that like the film decision of them is so strange. There's one where like Briseis is randomly slow motion. I think about that all the time. The random and like stutter slow motion. <laughs> it's very much to show like, like they like mention like, Oh, her virgin robes. And then you're like, something bad is going to happen to her. Like with that, like weird slow-mo. And then there's also when uh friggin' uh, Ned Stark is trying to, um, trying to convince Achilles to come to war and he like walks up two steps and then the camera zooms in on his face (laughs) rather than like breaking it does this weird zoom in and then he turns around he's like they say those who fight in this war will never be forgotten (laughs) and it was like those two moments are like they don't use those like styles in any other scene for whatever reason those two (laughs) 
<laughs> they decided to do. Oh, well, that stupid slow motion thing does come up one more time. And it's when oh, Achilles, it? it's when after he gives his like immortality, take it, it's yours speech, and then turns the sword <gasps> oh, randomly. Turns the sword. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think about that random slow motion thing on Perseus. And like a part of me just thinks, did you cut too soon? Like, did you want a, lo- a little bit longer of a scene? Yeah. And, like, for that like... thing? and so you just, oh, God, we just got to slow it down a little bit. They're like, this movie isn't long enough. Let's make these two insignificant moments longer. And I, I do, just thinking about that scene, it very much is like a scene that showcases the difference and similarities, like, between those two key characters, just in, like, the speeches they give yeah. to, mm-hmm. it also is, like, Hector's giving a speech to, like, this huge well-trained and well-equipped army and he has like all like this whole kingdom and he just is like oozing with privilege (laughs) and then um and is talking about like fighting for your country and all that stuff and then on achilles side he's like (laughs) he's talking to these men being like pretty much we're brutal let's go fucking do this (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it's just very much like, yeah, we're gonna be remembered forever. <laughs> yeah, it it's like you're right, because those two speeches are given very similar. It's like one of my favorite things in buddy cop movies is when they show the two people getting ready in the morning and like distinguish <gasps> between them. Getting them. ready for that fight. <laughs> it was that moment. <laughs> when like they're the putting difference. on their armor. Yeah, and it's like Hector's just slowly putting on each piece, as like, and Achilles is just freaking throwing it on there, like tying yep. it up with such much, so much like anger and venom. And I just love those kind of scenes that juxtapose just based off of action, like the two different mm-hmm. people. It's that's cool. Yeah, it's very much like Hector's like, "This is probably the last time I'll ever do this," and Achilles is like, "I need to get there now because <laughs> <laughs> I want to end him. This is just my every day." <laughs> Oh, okay, well, do you have any last thoughts on Troy before we move into the conclusion? Uh, I have so many thoughts, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, no. No, I don't <laughs> No, I could talk about it for as long as the movie is, but <laughs> we will spare others. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. It's like it is a it's a I I would say to any of those who haven't seen it before, this is the movie that effectively taught me how to do the thing I love doing in movies where effectively I just focus on the things I like and tune out the things I don't. Because if I focus on the things I like in this movie, it is a masterpiece. And if I broaden my view a little bit, it kind of takes a little bit of the sheen off. But one way or another, I still think it's a good movie and worthy of the of at least two and a half hours of your time, if not an additional many, many rewatches and an eventual two-hour podcast on. <laughs> All right. And that we're going to be moving in to the conclusion section. Section four, conclusion. So for our conclusion section here, we do things a little differently than what most podcasts do, where they would usually give a numerical rating to this film so that people can compare it to their single scale. Um, But we find that idea to be a little bit, um, what's the word, uh, stupid. Because how are you supposed to compare something like the movie Troy, Wolfgang Peterson's, like, not that famous, but was once beloved Trojan epic against Das Boot, which is Wolfgang Peterson's 
three and a half hour long Oscar winning movie about a bunch of sweaty men in a submarine. Like it's just, you can't compare them. Is it using the same scale? So instead what we do here is we take our movie and we compare it against other films that have a very specific thing. We're looking for one particular thing and movies that do it really well, movies that do it really poorly. And then it's like, of course, if you're going to have a scale, you have to have your hundred percent and your, 0% success. So for our positive control, 100% success, we're going to give a movie that does that one thing really well. And for our negative control, 0% success, we're going to give a movie that does that very thing very poorly. And then in between 0 and 100, where does the movie fall? And so would you like to go first? No. Well, then I'll (laughs) go go. first. (laughs) So I'm measuring Troy against other films that feature a score by James Horner. Um, so James Horner is a, is a sadly no longer with us, but he was an amazing is like a score composer, did the music for such great films as uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Aliens, as well as what I would say my positive control for a movie by is like an amazing movie with a score by James Horner, um, Titanic. So that would be 100%. Oh. Yeah. And then for the negative control, I would put forward uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, not because the score is like terrible. It's not. Um, it's just not as good as James Horner's other scores. And also, it just pales in comparison to the uh, Danny Elfman score from the original Sam Raimi movies, um, which are mm. still, when it, you hear little bits and pieces of that show up in the newest Spider-Man movie, it's, like, it's still kind of oh. like, hey, hey, I love that song. The horns. When the, the horns, horns come in. Ugh. Oh, well, the horns. And um, it's interesting, a little thing on James Horner before it's like I give my rating, is that he's, he's like, so for this movie, he basically, they scored this whole movie, the movie Troy, with a different composer. They had the whole score ready to go. They listened to it. They had the movie set to it. And uh, they didn't like it. They, it's like the producers or someone was like, no, this movie, this music's terrible. So they fired that composer and they brought in James Horner with like a ridiculously few number of months left before they had to ship this out. And they're like, okay, score the whole movie and get back to us. And so he did. And so there are portions of this movie that feel to me like just kind of okay. It feels like literally James Horner was like, I need a piece of music to play right now. And it was funny that when I was like, Lauren was, uh, my wife was watching, it was like, or not really watching, but she was listening to this uh, movie. At one point, she's like, hey, that bit kind of sounds like uh, music from the Wrath of Khan. I'm like, well, interestingly enough, it is still James Horner. So he's probably just pulling from that as a way to get through it really quickly. But then you have scenes, once again, like that Achilles like theme, which are just so good. And it's like so amazing and heighten the movie so much higher than it. Um, and so I'm going to have to give James Horner like for this movie, like an 82%, because while there are some things that don't work, the things that do work for me are just so good. Um, and yeah, and then also this introduced that, that trend of that, uh, lady from Macedonia doing her fun throat singing, which then came up in like every vaguely Middle Eastern or African movie is like in Hollywood for the next 20 years. So that's not great (laughs) either. (laughs) (laughs) There were also moments of, uh some of his music that was reminding me of the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. I w- that's the soundtrack I would recommend no matter who you are. It's so good. The, um, the, the organ playing for Davy Jones is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. There's that. And then there's a, there's one from like when they're on their, on the Island and it's kind of similar. It has just like ambiguous throat 
singing kind of yeah. thing of like <laughs> we don't like... know where it's from <laughs> but... but it's exotic Ooh. yeah we're on an island but <laughs> but it's good <laughs> all right what well, what would your conclusion be okay so i tried to rate it in terms of like movies that have this concept of like the chosen one or like destiny and like the main character just being destined to do this one thing and for my positive control picked harry potter just all of them just every single one because especially whichever one they actually introduce the concept that harry is the chosen one i think that's the fifth um, one i think order, so as order well of the phoenix yeah that's when they get the the actual they get the prophecy in they the get the ball. prophecy and then the um, best line in all of harry potter when with hermione giving him a hard time and him responding but i am the chosen uh, yeah. one and then she's smacking him <laughs> <Yeah>. in the head <laughs> uh my gosh, we need to do an episode on Harry Potter. I do. Uh, I just I do rewatched it. all of them. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> no. um, and then for my negative control, I picked Home Alone. Uh, <laughs> Achilles' whole thing is I want people to remember me, and freaking McAllister's whole thing is nobody remembers him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the negative control <laughs> for my zero percent. I think I would put Troy kind of within like the high eighties. Cause like that's Achilles is a whole thing. It's like, I want to be remembered, but like it doesn't probably there is in terms of like, you know, the God element of the whole story, but in terms of like how it's presented in the movie, it kind of is like, he decides for himself, like, this is my destiny. People are like, Oh, but like you could stay home, have a nice wife, have some kids. And he's like, no, so there's like an element of it for sure and it takes up like a very big portion of the plot but it kind of seems like he (laughs) manifest he did the secret he just manifested and put the energy out into the world until (laughs) it happened (laughs) rather than like him receiving some glowing ball to be like you're gonna go and you're gonna kill someone's son it's gonna be a big deal yeah i think it's it's good to put home alone in there as the movie where effectively it's like a a child is prophesized to be basically left out of his family because they're constantly throughout the entire movie going, <laughs> look what you did, you little jerk. You're the only one causing trouble. But oh my God, you're all so mean to this admittedly troubled child. It's like, and it's just, yeah, he is the anti one. He is the one that everyone wishes wasn't around. <laughs> I know. We tried to watch part of the new Home Alone. It's oh. rotten. I couldn't. I couldn't. I fully screamed at Aiden to turn off the TV. That's so sad. <laughs> is that like I like the 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 kid actor they got for that role in Jojo Rabbit? It's like a uh, Archie Yates or whatnot. Yeah. He's like he's he's so that just that line in Jojo Rabbit. It's like everyone hates us except for the Japanese. And between you and me, they don't seem very Aryan. <laughs> is like the best line. Wearing <laughs> <laughs> cardboard armor. <laughs> Oh, no. oh, oh the Hitler youth. Okay. Um So that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of the RTV Insides podcast. The only thing we have left to do is our acknowledgements. So 
Obviously, first, we have to give a big thanks to our first author, Emily. You're, you came back in. You, you watched the long movie. You gave the long episode. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Good job. Uh, no problem. <laughs> And I think within this one episode, we've come up with at least four other good like, movies we could do in the future, be it Chicago, Titanic, <gasps> like, um, like the Harry Potter movies, or heck, oh even gosh. if we just if we really wanted to just go back and revisit Master of Disguise and see how that one holds up. Oh, um, I don't know if I could ever. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't think we're turtly enough for the turtle club? Are people in our elementary quick note? People in our ele- elementary school quoted that movie like so much, and now I mention it to Aiden. He's like, "I have no idea what movie you're talking about." I'm like, "Was nope. it just Peterborough who was <laughs> buying this DVD?" <laughs> Peterborough was really into Dana Carvey. I must they say, really loved impressions <laughs> <laughs> oh, well we also have to give a big thanks to brett kinrad for our theme song which is here alive and well as well as our fabulous editor felicity james if you would like to provide a review oh yeah everyone loves felicity um <laughs> if you would like to provide a review of our submission feel free to email us at artsunionscience at gmail.com all in words with no caps you can tell us if you accept our findings accept them with revisions or outright reject them we in academia are used to rejection and won't take it personally Thank you for listening and make sure to join us again in two weeks time for another submission to the Arts Union Science Journal and perhaps something a little new on the horizon. Your session with the Arts Union Science Journal has expired. Please try again later. Roll sound. Rolling sound production. Take two. All right. I can see mine. Can I see yours? But. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were doing it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm crocheting at the same time. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh, well, this is going I in the mine. bloopers at the end. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>